Welcome everyone to the Daily Copepi on Unsafe Space. I'm your host, Carter Laren, and today is Wednesday, November 13th, and I am joined, as always, by the bad man Jamma, straight from Texas, back in your home, I see, uh, Carrie Smith. Hi, Carter. Good morning. Is it nice to be home? It is, although I liked, uh, I liked my accommodations very much where I was, so. Okay. Fair <laughs> uh, enough. Yeah, but it's nice. My doggies are happy. Your dogs are, I'm sure they missed you. Yeah. Um, what are we talking about today? Well, oh, real quick, before we move into a new topic, I just want to yeah. say this. Uh, thank you to everyone who watched Kafefe yesterday. We had a good response from people, and I saw a lot of people who watched our show went on to Little Ragamuffin's page and supported her with comment, like supportive comments. And she reached out and said, thank you. And I was, I would love to have her on the show. I mean, oh, I don't good. know. If, I didn't I know she know. reached out. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if she wants to be on. I haven't heard back yet about that specifically, but, um, but either way, I'm just happy she's doing what she's doing and providing an example for people of how to, how to be like, you know, how to be true to yourself. Yeah, so. absolutely. Uh, it was a good show yesterday. And, um, I was, I was impressed with the number of comments, uh, it's kind of cool because they were getting some of the shows are getting big enough that there's like lots of comments now, which I know big by our terms is is relative, but for us it's cool to see lots of comments and people chatting. Yeah, I love it when people are having discussions like with each other about about the topics and stuff. So yeah, um, well, speaking of discussions with each other about the topics, <laughs> I actually. I, what I want to talk about, Carrie, is something that you had a discussion with someone else on Twitter. So someone said to us, there was a time when I thought religious dogma would hold... Actually, they weren't even talking to us. I think someone looped us in. There was a time when I thought religious dogma would hold up better against wokeness. I think it's now fair to admit that I was terribly misguided. Evangelical America may prove to be an ideal breeding ground for woke religion. And then someone looped you and Unsafe Space in, and you said, I think it's a very ideal breeding ground for it, unfortunately, and maybe everyone else understands that, and I'm just the idiot. But I was surprised to hear you say that. I've got my own reason why I think it's a breeding ground, but I'm not a Christian. You are. Why do you think it's a breeding ground for social justice ideology? Well, uh, as I okay, let's we're gonna use my computer audio. Okay, I'm gonna sound. You guys were back. We've had technical problems. My fancy microphone is kaput again. So uh, just going to use my computer audio, and I know somebody's gonna complain about the tinny sound here. I apologize. I'm gonna try to get this fixed. Um, anyway. Carter was asking me a question about people don't realize that like a half an hour has transpired since I asked, has passed. Oh my gosh. Yes. A long time has passed. Um, anyway, I was asking you why you think that, uh, evangelical America is a very ideal breeding ground for woke religion. Well, because uh, we've talked about this before uh, a few times, most specifically, the time I remember was when we talked with, we did an interview with Samuel Say 
on Deprogrammed. And if people haven't seen that, they should go watch it. Um, and, I, and actually, I think we talked about it in, in another interview with, um, I'm blanking on his name. It was about fighting racism with racism. Uh, oh, um, I know who you're talking about, and I am also blanking on his name. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, I think it's Jim something, but I don't remember. His name. Anyway, um, the reason why I think it's ideal is because you've got a group of people who are already there wanting to do good. And this is an ideology that preys upon people who want to do good and be good. This, is, this ideology sells itself as that. And so you've got people who are already, the, these aren't nihilists. These aren't people who don't believe in anything. These aren't people who uh, don't care. The, these are people who care. They're already part of a community that they're going to where they're trying to presumably make themselves better and make the world better and be better people. And then this ideology says, this is the way to be better people. And hey, here's all these things you don't know. Let me teach them to you. There's a new definition for racism now, guys. Like There's a new definition for sexism now, guys. And if you want to be a good person, you need to adopt all these new tenets of belief because you're so ignorant and your uh, privilege makes you ignorant. And so it, they move into churches easily, I think. I'm fascinated by this subject, how they move into churches. Look at Gracie. Gracie was an SJ, Gracie West, who's one of our friends who has a YouTube channel called Embarrassing Mom. She and I were both SJWs for years, but we were in different circles. I, I didn't know her until we both walked away from it, but um, I was in an agnostic and atheist SJW world. She was in a Christian SJW world, which at first blew my mind, like the same way you're at, I guess people might be shocked, but I would say that that I would say that it's a breeding ground for this, but it's not, I get it now. It's absolutely a breeding ground for it. It's fertile ground. And I think um, you've also got people in the church who are, um, this, this is, see, just like how an SJW ideology, there are sincere true believers, and then there are the bad actors, the ones who are acting in bad faith. Well, you've got the same dynamic in the church already. There are people who are there who sincerely believe and then there are people who are acting in bad faith who are virtue signalers like the Pharisees, right? Who preach on, who, who pray on street corners so people can see them. And so, so as it moves into a church, you've got both of those kinds of people, roughly speaking, right? You've got both of those kinds of people already. So for the virtue signalers, this is just another great way to virtue signal. It's like, hey, not only am I virtue signaling in the church, but now I can virtue signal about my race and gender and sex and all this stuff. And, and I can virtue signal in a way that culture at large will, and so the culture outside of the church even will approve of me, you know? So you think there's already, there's already some performative Christians in churches anyway. Oh, absolutely. Just an extra like uh, opportunity to perform. In the virtual signal. By the way, the guy's name was Dr. J.R. Miller, professor of applied psychology yes. and leadership. Uh, so I felt bad that I forgot his name, but it was a good yeah. conversation. Uh, and it is called "Fighting Racism with Racism." It's on Deprogrammed, so you can look that up. Um, so, so your basic contention here is that, um, and which is interesting, right? Um, they're not the, the the people that go to church, especially maybe the more evangelical ones, are definitely not nihilists so they're looking for um 
they're looking for some fundamental truths and they're wanting to make the world a better place. And your contention is that that makes them easier targets for, for social justice than like your typical nihilist who doesn't give a crap. I think so. Yes. Because there are already people who are coming together, whether they're sincere or not, they're already there for whatever reason they're there and they are already willing participants in a belief system that is, is about changing yourself for the good and is about treating people better. In my opinion, it is, that's what being trying to be like Christ is, is about trying to be a better person and you're never going to live up to that. You're never going to be like Christ, but you can aim for that and you can improve and you can be better. And you've got people there who are already either sincerely trying to do that or trying to make the people around them think they're doing that. And so then you've got this new ideology that comes in and says, hey, it's not enough what you're doing. You also need to take into account all of this crap from academia about critical race theory and intersectionality, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and they use the same things against you that they use in the secular world. They say, well, the reason why you're, if you're, if you're resistant to it and say, Hey, wait a minute, this seems at odds with the gospel. They're like, they go down their list. Are you white? Well, then it's cause you're white. <laughs> uh, are you not white? Well, are you a man? Well, it's cause you're a man, right? Oh, you're not white or a man. Well, are you gay? No. Well, it's cause you're straight. Like they just go through each of the privileges. The reason why you're not getting with this is cause of your privilege. And we will and find if a privilege. Out, if it turns out that you're a, a black trans woman who's queer, they just burn you at the stake. You're not allowed to exist and disagree with Then, you. Well, then they ignore you or they call you a token like they did in uh, one of Little Ragamuffin's thread. There, uh. there actually was a white woman in there saying, uh, this is what SJW, like, see, the thing about SJWs, if you let them talk long enough, they will tell you what they really believe, their actual beliefs. And one of them said, uh, um, in, in reference to, so, so a woman came in, an Asian woman, and she said, hey, the, the the just so you know my husband is one of the asian men who's a model in these photographs for for the good old boy design and right. and he was a model and these these men of color were models way before this controversy she didn't go out and photograph them for this controversy like they were already models on the site so and she was like she's not racist in, at all like she you know and then a, this is a woman of color saying this Right. And then white women came in and were like, you're wrong. And one of the white women was like, yeah, you let your husband and these other men of color be used as tokens. And it's like, wow, you just told us what you believe, white SJW. You believe that people of color are a token. You have to believe that in order for you to say that when they don't agree with you. It certainly like, strips all agency of them, from them. Yeah, it strips them of agency. I was like, dude, like, so basically you view them as tokens and you just want to collect them for your position, your side. But the minute they don't agree with you, then you, you call them names like token, right? It's like, guess what? People of color have minds of their own. They're people like you. They're individuals like white people. They have agency like shock, like white people. They can come to an opinion whether it's an agreement with you or not and not be your token or someone else's token. Like that's their opinion. You friggin' racist. Like they're not always being used by someone. <laughs> yes, they're not always being used by someone. But that's what they think. And so they would they would do the same thing in the church. If there were yes, if there were a black, female, lesbian, disabled, you know, if, if it was somebody who checked off all the marginalized boxes, they would say, Well, that person's being a token. They're being used. <laughs> like Okay. 
if they didn't agree with them. It's like they don't, they, because they view at, at their heart, they, like we've talked about before, they are racists. Right. And they're just selling it. Uh, they're selling it as non-racism, which is why I call it evil because they, they prey upon people's desire to do good. And they prey upon people's obvious, like opposition to uh, injustice, uh, people's obvious and, and good, well-intentioned, you know, opposition to racism and sexism. They prey upon that and they say, Hey, you want to be racist, non-racist and non-sexist? This is the ideology for you. And, and meanwhile, they're turning you into the opposite. And doing it in the church is especially disgusting, in my opinion. And there's a lot of preachers pushing this crap now. It's not just yeah. – I, I, I'm still trying to figure out what evangelical means. I don't know. I, I mean, I go to an evangelical church. I still don't know what it means. <laughs> well, I, was, I was raised evangelical. It basically meant we spent a lot of time trying to – I was, it wasn't all, I, my entire childhood wasn't evangelical, but part of it was. And it, the idea that I always understood behind evangelical was that you had a moral imperative to be convincing other people, like out trying to actively recruit. Um, maybe that's not correct, but that was how my interpretation of it was. Well, that's not what I do, but well, I, I do go to an evangelical church. <laughs> sure. Um, so this is interesting. You, I I agree with you that it's a breeding ground, um, but I hadn't, I was coming at it from a different angle. So I, but I like your angle. It's a, I think it's, there's validity to this argument that it's because there's not nihilism and there's because there's people out there. Um, yeah, I think that's a, another good angle. It just wasn't the reason I was. What's the reason that you think? Uh, well, as an atheist, um, One of the problems that I have generally with religion is that it's a set of commandments and imperatives without um, the need for rational discussion about the origin and reasons for them. So like, for example, when we talked about, like we, on Friday, I think we talked about Bill Gates, right? And we talked about this whole like not being envious and you said you actually weren't, but some people are envious of billionaires or whatever it is, right? Um, and I remember someone in the comments said something like, uh, they just like quoted scripture or something like, you know, thou shall not covet thy neighbor's wife, car, goat, whatever. Right? I'm exaggerating, but like, that's not covered. It says it right there. Just follow the commandment. And um, one of the things that, that bothers me about that as a, as a way for to get, to get your morals is, first of all, you can't command people to not feel things. So it's not really a helpful thing to do. In fact, commanding you to not feel things is like psychologically now we know is really just a form of repression, which doesn't solve the problem. What cognitive behavioral therapy would tell you to do is to think about the roots of why you feel that and to come up like construct a more accurate model of the world and narrative that would undermine those feelings and eventually help you to not feel that envy viscerally. But just saying to not feel it without really reasons um, actually isn't productive. And so similarly, when I look at like social justice, I think, okay, well, you know, social justice has got a set of dogma and beliefs and they're unquestioned. And that's how I, again, this is me as an atheist thinking about religion. That's how I view religion. There's a set of rules and there's dogma. It's written in a book and it's unquestioned. And you're not allowed to say, well, why is this, right? Um, the answer is at the end of the day is just like, well, this is what's written. And I believe that this is what God has written, which to me is very similar to epistemologically. It's very similar to, uh, why do we believe this? Well, this is what Kimberly Crenshaw has written and we believe Kimberly Crenshaw or whatever it is. 
Um, well, that, and that's just from an epistemological perspective. So that's, that's why as an atheist, it makes sense to me um, and why I was surprised that you were like, yeah, it's a healthy breeding ground, but you have a different reason. I have a different reason, but also with, with your reason, there's a major difference there that I see and fine, epistemologically, whatever. But the major difference is the rules that are set out in Christianity are good for you. Thou shalt not covet is good for you. They may not tell you scientifically why resentfulness, it will rot you from the inside, <laughs> but they try to. It's like SJWism doesn't have good rules. The rules of Christianity, see, here's the thing about me becoming a Christian recently is that uh, if I had just read the Bible and followed those rules, it would have saved me a lot of pain and heartache. And instead of, and, and, and so some people, are able just to follow those rules without having to go through the, through, through the school of hard knocks, as my aunt calls it. <laughs> like, but I, I couldn't just, I had to go and learn for myself and, and learn everything the hard way and reinvent the wheel when there's this book of wisdom there that's like, hey, these are some good rules for living that centuries and centuries and centuries and generations and generations and generations of humans have learned that it's not good to lie and cheat and steal and stew in resentfulness. <laughs> and right. here's some wisdom we're trying to pass on to you. Right. And I'm like, whatever, boomer, I'm going to go and learn. <laughs> okay, boomer, Carrie. Okay, okay. okay, boomer. <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> okay, doomer. I don't know, whatever. I'm going to go learn on my own, okay? Because maybe well, I... So this, is why I'm, this is why I'm your friendly neighborhood atheist, because I do agree with you that... Uh, Christianity has a much better set of rules than, right. than social justice. And I completely agree with that. And, um, and I also agree that, again, this is atheist perspective, so I'm not talking about like divine revelation, but I, I view Christianity as uh, an evolved set of heuristically derived rules that like, hey, we figured out that this doesn't work very well in society. <laughs> like, now we have to communicate it to people. So how do we communicate it? And, and we might make up myths around how to communicate it, but it has to be communicated. And there is actually wisdom in a lot of it. And that wisdom, you know, where I would disagree with Christians is they would say, well, that wisdom comes from God and blah, blah, blah. And, and as an atheist, I would say, well, that wisdom is, has been culturally evolved and we figured out that this is, this is what works. And, um, and well, no matter how you view it, you and I both agree that that's wisdom and that those things. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the, so, so I agree that it's a much better set of rules than, than Kimberly Crenshaw's rules or whatever. Right. So I think that's where we're in an agreement. I, I think, and I think maybe for some people, I think there's different types of people. I'm one of the people who always wants to know why I'm, I'm sure I was obnoxious as a child, right? Why, 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 why can't I do this? Why, why, why? Because I said so has never been an answer. Um, and, um, although actually when I was Christian, uh, because I said, so as long as I felt like it was God saying it, that was, that was an answer for me. Um, but you know, I think for people who, who are not satisfied with a set of rules, um, the, if, if they're in Christianity, I guess, I guess if they're in the church and they are, um, if they're willing to kind of like epistemologically just take a set of rules, then this is a different set of rules that just comes yes. in. Yes. Right? Yes. 
So maybe, maybe you're hitting on something interesting. Maybe the Christians for whom SJWism is more palatable are the ones who haven't learned these rules the hard way in the first place. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, or, or even are just, see a lot, I think a lot of, um, I, I view there to be, I don't want to like, this is not, this is just an arbitrary categorization. So this is not like the end all be all, but like, I'm going to say like, there's two types of Christians, right? There's probably infinite types of Christians. But right. what I mean by there's two types of Christians here is like, I see people who view their, um, their faith with a very introspective and thoughtful uh, attitude where they're like, gee, I wonder what this thing means. Why was this important to, to, to communicate to me? How does it affect my life? And is it really true in, the, in this particular way? Or is it true in a different way? Or like, they don't, um, they don't necessarily read the Bible and say, well, this says this thing, obviously, therefore it's just this. They, they try and interpret like, what's really being communicated here? And you could actually even do that and be an atheist if your question is like, what's being communicated culturally? But you could also ask the question and be a theist and be like, well, what's being communicated um, from the divine through this? Like, what, how does it really affect me and, and really have an introspective and thoughtful approach to understanding kind of some level of why behind these things, not just like these rules. And then there's, the, then there's Christians who are just like, well, those are the rules. And um, I just have to have some rules to follow. I don't want to think about any introspection. I actually don't really want to change much. I just want to go to church and like tithe and virtue signal a little bit and feel like I'm good about myself. But I actually am not that interested in really changing my own behavior. I'm just interested in having a set of rules that makes me feel moral and righteous. And, oh, hey, Kimberly Crenshaw has a set of rules. That makes me feel more morally righteous. Like, yeah, I'm on board with that, right? I heard a, um, oh, where was it? Maybe it was in my devotional the other day. I, I heard a word for the type of Christian you're talking about, which I think, you know, anybody could sl- slide into that if they're not careful. Uh, I, I forget probably the word. all both. Right, a little bit of both. Yeah, a little bit of both, right. It was basically like, uh, I forget what it was, but it, it was a great crap. I want to go get that book now and see what it was. But it was like something like, you know, like drive through Christian or whatever. Like you're just going to church to be there, to be seen, to you're at the church and then you're leaving and you're not like actually applying it to your life or, or it's you're like sort of formative uh, Christian is really what it is. Right. Or not active. Like you're not a living part of the church. You're not like, and yes, I definitely fall into this sometimes where you're like, Oh, I like the good works that my church, I like the good works that the church is doing and you're not helping <laughs> <laughs> like you're just going up, right. you're getting, oh, I, I remember it wasn't my devotional. It was something like you're showing up to receive things, but you're not showing up to be a part of like the work. You're not showing up to, um, to, to be involved in any of the missions of helping, whether that's like, you know, volunteering or, uh, or being a part of the choir or whatever talents you have, you're not using them as a part of the body of the church. And so I think maybe those, when you're, when you fall into that groove and that becomes all that you're doing, when church just becomes a perfunctory performative thing that you're like, yes, maybe it's, I don't know, you're more open to being um, susceptible to stuff like this. And I don't know if the distinction here is really, the distinction I was trying to draw is a little bit more around introspection because I think you could be in that group who's doing all those things and actually contributing to possibly even good, like 
good causes, like actually doing good and being in that group. But if it's really about um, your work, like your your works externally, and not about your own introspection, yeah, introspection and oh, I hear personal you. growth, then then you're like, if you haven't done the introspection, it's not about personal growth, then you really don't know, then, then the rules and, and, and what you're learning from your religion are, are ex- they're still external to you because you haven't internalized why and how you, they fit with you and how they've changed you and why they're important to you and what they've helped you do and develop and grow as a human. They're just like a, they're just a list of things. So, so, so someone else can come up with a different list of things and they can also point to good works with their list of things and be like, here's the, look, look at the things that we do. You can, you can get involved in our volunteer organizations, right? Um, but what you can't do, what social justice doesn't offer you is personal growth because social justice is diametrically opposed to personal growth. Social justice is about like hunkering down in all of your dysfunction and declaring it your, like proudly as the essence of your being, possibly a new gender. Um, so... That's like that's kind of what social justice is about. It's it's antithetical to introspection and personal growth. Oh, absolutely. And speaking of the fact that it that it opposes all of the wisdom in the Bible, I mean, first of all, Jesus was all about, you know, everyone is equal in the eyes of God. Like racism isn't a thing. Like if you're a Christian, it's like you're not, you're not, you can't be a racist. Right. There's no there's no biblical there's no Christian foundations for being a racist. Right. And you're all, and, and like, whether you're a slave or slave owner, or whether you're king or subject, like Jesus was like, you're all equal in the eyes of, like he basically elevated the individual. It was the idea of the individual over whatever group or caste or race or sex or whatever. It's like equality. Okay. So that's, that's the opposite of SJWism. SJW ideology says, whatever group you're in is the most important thing and you should look at people and you should make all your judgments, what you think about them and how you treat them and what you say to them and everything should be based on which of these groups they're in. Well, that's the opposite of what Jesus teaches. And, you know, race is the most important thing and sex is the most important thing. When you look at someone, you have to look at these things. No, Jesus is not about that at all. You don't look at someone and say, well, hey, because you're a white person, I'm going to talk to you this way or because, Hey, because you're a black person, I'm going to talk to you this way. And Jesus wouldn't go, Hey, I wonder where that guy's from. Uh, I'm not going to ask him because he's black and that might be offensive. Like (laughs) Jesus is not like, you know what I mean? Like the stuff that they teach people to do. I don't care about that guy because he's privileged. (laughs) Right. Like the stuff that they teach people to do is so messed up. And you could, you ever imagine Jesus preaching a sermon on the Mount being like, look, Guys, it's impossible to be racist towards white people. Come closer. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, just this, <laughs> trust me, this is for the good of all. It's going to end racism eventually. Okay. That, yeah. that race over there, you can do whatever you want to them. <laughs> and that, by the way, that, just to be clear, that would have been what? The Romans, right? Just the impossible right. to be racist towards Romans. It's like, guess what? You can do whatever you want to the Romans, okay? Right. <laughs> they have institutional power and privilege, so it's cool. We'll come up with another word for it. We'll call it Roman privilege. We're Roman prejudice, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, they just, it just wouldn't, no, Jesus doesn't teach that. And the fact, I'm laughing at it because when you think about it, when they bring this stuff into the church, it's like, 
really? Like, it, it is so op oppositional to Jesus' word. But since we're talking about this, I haven't looked at this before, but I wanted to just, we're talking about wisdom, right? Yeah. I'm going to pull up the Ten Commandments, and I just would like, <laughs> uh, do, do you know them by heart? Because I'm going to confess. I used to, but I don't think I do anymore. Okay. Uh, okay, because I just kind of want to look at them and see which one, which ones, okay, okay, which ones is it SJWism directly, are they, is it, is it, is it directly oppositional? Well, so, for the big, the big one for Christians is thou shall not have, have no other God before me. Like, okay. that's, that's the fundamental social justice. That's the God is social justice. So. Yes. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Well, I've argued this. I even argued it on Twitter recently with this woke pastor who's trying to teach SJWism from the pulpit and on Twitter from the pulpit, and it makes me sick. There's, I, I, I find it's like you're a false prophet. You're, it's one thing if you're just an SJW high priest or high priestess. It's another thing if you're claiming to be a minister of God and, and, to, and to speak and, and to reveal God's truth um, to people like me who are looking, who are looking for biblical wisdom and you're, and instead you're selling me SJWism under the guise of Christianity. That makes me sick. And you're selling people SJWism. So anyway, um, okay. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. This is what I was saying to that pastor. Right. You can't have both in your church. It, just like in every other organization, just like in the knitting world, just like in gaming, whatever, when this ideology moves in, it becomes the number one lens through which you look at everything else. It's the lens through which you interpret God's word. That's messed up. You're putting this above God. Well, now in fairness, Carrie, there's a rumor that God was a uh, heteronormative cis male. So <laughs> I don't know what that means. I'm, is that funny? Okay. <laughs> anyway, thou shalt know the gods before me. Okay. SJWism is a God that you put before God. Uh, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Nah. Yeah, that's like, this. just the, well, so we can put this in some historical context, though. Um, graven images were, were the idol worship. So today, like, great, uh, graven images were the symbolic representation of a, um, a belief in another god, right? It's very similar to the first one. Right. So um, today, that would, you know, that graven image might be a department of university, right? <laughs> well, right. of course, it could be Instagram, but I'm, I'm thinking more like something that's representative of something that's antithetical to um, the teachings, right? So which is like, okay, well, you know, uh, an entire, if we still lived in couple thousand years ago, there would be a golden social justice calf that was worshipped, right? It's just that we don't have the calf anymore. We don't, we don't like, we don't feel the need to, to make a physical thing that represents social justice. But there's plenty of non-physical representations of social justice. It's just, that one's just the physical representation. Right. It becomes an idol. You're right. It's like the church that, um, downtown Austin, that wraps itself in the rainbow flag like literally that would be a graven image right like yeah um and, and not to obviously we're karen and i are both pro lbg like that's not a that's not the that's not what i mean by that but what i mean is like worshiping something else that's like actually you know here's one that'll piss off conservatives right like the flag 
Yeah. The American flag. Yeah. Yeah. Wrapping itself in the American flag or wrapping itself in the LGBT flag. Either one. You're right. Right. Um, And again, as an atheist, I don't have a problem with wrapping yourself in the American flag or whatever. Like, but with respect to that commandment, that's, I think that's what that would be. All right. What's the Um, one? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Okay. This to me, this is not about cursing, in my opinion. It's not about saying, oh, GD. Mm-hmm. What this means to me, and my interpretation could be wrong, I'm just, I want to help people understand how I view this commandment, is, <clears throat> is when you abuse God's name and when you abuse and when you do things and you claim to be doing it for God or with God's, uh, with God co-signing it. And that's like this minister I'm talking about, these woke pastors and preachers are taking God's name in vain. They are using God's name to spread this evil. And that makes me, again, you know how I feel, makes me sick, but that's, that's what this Bible verse, I mean, it's, that's what this commandment is about to me. And people can do that in little ways. Um, I've done this before. I've taken God's name in vain. Absolutely. Where I even wanted to convince myself that something was God, God wanted something for me that I don't think God wanted for me, <laughs> you know, like, so that's, that's, uh, that's what that is to me. It's, it's pretty, yeah. And I think, I think in vain is more of a, it's a larger, it's larger than just swearing in that it's anything that dishonors the idea, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which would, which would, you're, what you're saying would fit into that category. Okay. So, just by the way, as an atheist, I would like to point out the first three commandments are all about basically only worshiping God. <laughs> yes. So far, so far, all we've gotten is that. Yeah. And what do they do? They Which, worship SJW ideology. They break yeah, all these and, commandments. And But even from a secular perspective, if you look at that, um, if you just look at this as like, why would those commandments evolve? Because I'm going to play, quote, devil's advocate here and like talk about it also from like, why would this evolve culturally? Uh I think it's really to underscore the importance of what these rules are going to be. This is like, these are some rules that we've learned. This is how, this is how important they are. Don't have any other rules. Like this is, these are the damn rules. Don't disrespect the rules. Like (laughs) people, this is very important. This is all just like a, those three are just like a, an introduction to the rules of like, that's underscoring. We mean it. Right. So, okay, kids. Now here come some rules. Yeah. <laughs> I like your atheist interpretation of why these why these three commandments are at the beginning. <laughs> okay. Um remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Oh, actually maybe there's four at the beginning. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> four, of them. <laughs> four of them. Yes. Yes. Um well, I mean clearly SJW ideology. Maybe maybe when it infiltrates the church they, it doesn't it doesn't obviously contradict with this but maybe it does I don't know that I I haven't been in the church long enough to see how it's how it and I haven't been looking at this in church like in the Southern Baptist Convention I've been watching how this is evolving and stuff I haven't been watching it long enough to know but I would assume everything becomes more lax because what, now what does that one mean to you as a modern Christian because that's one that's always perplexed me like the Orthodox Jews for example have very clear rules about what it means to keep the Sabbath and like they can't do any work. And some of them, some people won't even turn on lights because it's okay. like causing work to be done somewhere else. Like 
What does it mean as a Christian? What does that so mean? So for me, I think it's different. I'm just telling you Carrie's interpretation of current interpretation of it. Uh, I worked Sundays. I was, I was working Sundays when I became a, a Christian. And after a while, one of my friends, um, uh, they, they, and their children, they don't work on Sunday and they take it very seriously and their kids don't play sports on Sunday either. They really view Sunday as a day of making it about your relationship with God and they turn on lights and stuff. It's not like that, but they don't, they don't make it about work and they don't make it about sports. They just make it about God and, and fellowshipping with other, with, with people and, you know, go, go to lunch after church or whatever, or dinner after church. But they, but they're not like, they're not, they're not making it about like if they went, I think, I think they might say, I don't want to speak for them, but they might say, if we let our kids play sports on Sundays, that day would be about that sport. Or mm-hmm. if we worked, it would be about work. And so when I heard that, I was, I, at the time I was like working Sundays and I was thinking like, well, huh? Like, like with a lot of things, it took a while for that, you know, maybe months for that to sink in for me. But I, I, I felt God start to work on me about that and about other things. And so eventually it became important to me that I not work on Sundays anymore. And then there came a time where, and so I didn't. And then, and then there came a time where I had to work on Sundays again. And then more recently I've been able to take that day off and, um, I don't always make it about God. Uh, actually, this past Sunday, I worked. I have I was on the road for work, which you know. Um, but I, my goal is to make it about God. That's what I want. My what in terms of what do I what behavior do I think I should model? What behavior do I think is good for me? I think it would be good for me if I get into a routine where every Sunday, it's about catching up, getting on the same page. I mean, I'm trying to do my prayers and my devotionals every day. And for the past couple weeks, I've been doing that. But, um, but it would be even better for me if Sunday, if all of Sunday remained like something that I set aside for resting and, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing consuming me other than get being right with God on that day. So I, it's, maybe that's a long answer, but. No, I get it. And actually, now that you're saying your your answer, um, I could see a, again, I'm, I'm going to try and draw secular parallels to all this. I could see a an argument to be made for a lot of times you can get caught up in life and caught up in the day-to-day things of life without stepping back and periodically and having some um, introspection about what matters to you, um, whether you're behaving morally and like, self like it's that self-improvement it's like it's maybe when, when i talked about introspection earlier and self-growth and self-improvement one way to interpret this is like well you need to make time for self-growth and self-improvement and if you don't honor that time and focus on that um it won't happen so if if you're going to try and improve you need to set time aside to try and improve otherwise you know you're going to be trying to do it in between taking your kid to soccer and you know going to do that work thing and shopping and whatever, and you're just not going to have time. And this is actually one of the things that even other religions have recognized the importance of like meditation and psych and actually, and, and atheists even, um, I think there's, there's scientific validity to the idea of, of meditation being um, psychologically healthy and kind of like taking that time, um, not having like all of the day to day operational things 
to worry about, but really focusing on like the larger strategic, bigger picture, the self growth and the things that kind of matter. Um, so I see that, I see that as a, that could be a useful heuristic to develop. Yeah, I think so. I, li- I like that you're giving the secular approach to all, why all of these things might be good, even if you're not a crit, like what, how you're sort of giving the, this might be why we pass down this wisdom, even if you don't believe it came from God. Yeah, because I do respect a lot of the wisdom and like, it's good to kind of, for me to think about like, okay, well, what is the, what is, what's the point of that as someone who's not Christian? What's the point of that one? And that one, there's a good point to that one, actually. I think so too. You know, the other thing that would be good for me not to do and is um, on Sundays, like, like not to make it about work, right? Not to make it about whatever. If I had kids, they're, they're, their sports teams or whatever, um, not to make it about social media. That would be a great one for me. I mean, I don't, I don't do that every Sunday, but I do spend more time on there than I should. And it, and there are things, some things I need to do for my paying job or for, um, our podcast, but there, it would be great to be able to say, no, look, what if I were like every Sunday, sorry, fasting from the internet. (laughs) Who tweets for? Huh? Hootsuite. <laughs> Hootsuite can't read and interpret what buttholes are saying to me. No, I'm kidding. No, but they can, they can read and interpret what you can do it. And then I know, it. I know, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so anyway, okay. So I would say that SJWs moving into the church, they, they, they are very, they make things more over time because you're necessarily viewing things through the lens of SJW ideology first and then the Bible second these things are not going to be as important to you as other things. And, and I know people who don't, I'm not saying they're wrong. I think it's wrong for me. Um, but, but I know people already who, who, who are Christian who don't believe that this is probably an important thing to do. Well, oh, no, though, Carrie, quiet introspection is also the enemy of social justice because thinking independently is, goes against, so social justice is really all about social metaphysicians it's, it's social metaphysics. It's what the crowd thinks, what the mob says is true, is true at any given moment because there's not actually reasons behind stuff. So having some quiet time and thinking for yourself and drawing your own conclusions doesn't sit well with social justice. So it actually would make sense for them to try and corrupt that particular <laughs> commandment. Oh. It would be like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't go off on your own and have any sacred time where you don't listen to what we're saying because... That's yeah, not okay. <laughs> they also say stuff like, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen this. They say, if you're not actively fighting against white supremacy, which to them means if you're not actively speaking our ideology, right? Okay? They don't really mean fighting against white supremacy, but if you're not actively fighting against white supremacy, Maria Tuscan a Nazi, 24 right. <laughs> right. So if you're not actively working against white supremacy, which means actively speaking SJW ideology, then you are a part of white supremacy. So they, they don't want, like, if you say to them, uh, like, let's say you're a very committed SJW, but like, hey, but I can't, on Sundays, I can't blah, 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 because I need a day for me where I'm, you know, regrouping and, and talking to God. They, I think they would probably be like, oh, that's your privilege that allows you to take a day off. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that would be privilege. <laughs> ming, 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 privilege, yeah. privilege. Marginalized people don't have that privilege of taking a day <laughs> off and fighting oppression. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> they have to be on their keyboards all day typing on Instagram and fighting oppression. Like, no, they don't. Like <laughs> Okay, okay, let's go back. Okay. 
uh, honor thy father and thy mother. Okay, they SJWs do not honor father and mother because that's tradition. They hate tradition. This ideology is against anything traditional. So, so there is no honoring of your elders. And, and I, I, obviously, there are reasons why you. I believe you wouldn't honor your mother and father if you have abusive parents. If there's, you know, if they're if, depending on depending on context, right? individual context. However, the idea itself of honoring the people who have put in time to raise you, honoring previous generations, just put it that way, honoring everyone that came before us that built the, this, that built this country that, 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 um, that laid the groundwork for the ideals that we hold dear, like individualism, free speech, individual liberty, all of this, like all of the work that went into allowing us to live at such a privileged place in history and privileged time in history, honoring that and respecting that, they're totally against that. They want to get rid of classical literature. They want to destroy all the, you know, the, we talked about the English departments. They're, yep. They have no respect. What do they say? Oh, it's just old white men, you know. We, why should we have to learn about Aristotle and Shakespeare? and <laughs> Do it all white men. Yeah. yeah. While they use all the things that were invented by the same people. Um, yeah. I, so again, as someone who, um, I, I, I don't want to say this. I actually think as an advocate for children, I actually would like to see a society in which parents were held more accountable and not excused for their misbehavior. A lot of children are mistreated and grow up for like grow up and let their parents get away with it without really confronting and holding them accountable for their behavior. Um, that said, uh, I do like the, I do like what you're saying. And if you think of honoring your mother and father as a, in a broader context of like, well, maybe not depending on your specific mother and father, what has been going on, but plenty of great people came before you to build this society. Um, and that's, uh, that is important worth honoring. And this is, you know, you do see, like you said, you see them just wanting to tear down the West, not just in the literature, but literally in, in every aspect, they just want to tear down. They hate, you know, they, they're the ones that came up with this phrase white culture, right. To try and, cause white's a bad word. So to them. And so white culture is this way, like, Hey, all the stuff, all the traditions that you guys are doing, this freedom of speech crap and and individual rights and like all that, that's just, that's just the evil white tradition that doesn't need to be honored. We don't need to ask ourselves why freedom of speech was ever thought of as an idea. We don't need to ask ourselves why the second amendment is a good idea. None, there's no questioning, you know, there's a, I'm not someone who follows rules well, and I'm not someone who's, who's particularly obedient generally. However, I have, I have learned in my life, and I think a lot of people will fall into a similar category, uh, you can buck the rules if you first understand why they're there in the first place. Then you can legitimately criticize them. But if you haven't taken the time to understand how they developed and why they're there, then it's better just to probably follow them because you're not, you don't understand why you're rebelling. You have to understand why you're rebelling and what specifically you're rebelling against. They don't, they don't want to. In fact, a better metaphor for social justice warriors would be, you know, um, 
toddlers having a temper tantrum, like holding their hands over their ears, yelling like, don't tell me anything about white history. I don't want to hear about the West. Like they don't want to know. I don't want to know why this developed, right? Yeah. I have my reasons. Someone told me it was because of racism. The end. The end. I mean, look at the way that we were joking about earlier in the episode, but the way this whole OK Boomer thing has come about. They have zero (laughs) respect for previous generations. They think they know everything. Um, and, And there's this whole, like, when I lived in Tanzania, there people have a lot of respect for their elders there. And it was noticeable to me because we don't have that here yeah. anymore. I think we used to. But I think we don't. it's a healthy mix, though, because too much respect for your elders leads to stagnation. So you do actually want to question things and why you're like, the right. generation did some horrible things. They, they enacted social security, a welfare state, they got us horribly in debt. Like the boomer generation did some bad things. They also did some good things, right? But like it's, you have to have a, you have to have a, um, I think you have to have both. You have to have the respect for that past, but you also, it's, it's kind of okay to have a little bit of question. Oh, I, I agree. You don't want too much of you know, obedient, just blind obedience or whatever. No, but, but the point is we don't really have any of that anymore. We just kind of, we don't even have understanding, let alone respect. Yeah. We don't have any respect for, yeah, I don't, it's just, it's like when SJWs tell you to go home, I will always just think this is both hilarious and completely disrespectful, which, you know, after Trump won, when it was all like, you know, all these op-eds came out from professional SJWs and like, listen up white people who, white liberals, white liberals, it's time for you to go home to Thanksgiving and, you know, call out your grandparents for their racism if they vote, if they voted for Trump. It's like, I'm not going to go home and be like, yeah. I mean, I don't know if my, my papa voted for Trump. I can't, I think he did. Anyway, he, my, my grandfather was confusing. He would vote for Democrats sometimes and Republicans other times. I know it anyway. But, but can you imagine like me going home and being like, listen, peepaw, you know, pass the potato. Thanks for killing all those Nazis, but now you are a Nazi because you voted for Trump. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just totally disrespectful. <laughs> like, let me lecture you about, uh, you know, what a racist you are. And also, like, thank you that I can lecture you in English and not German. Right. <laughs> like, you have no idea. What was it Lena Dunham tweeted? <laughs> White men have no idea what it's like to fight for their very lives. Like, what? <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no idea. They actually fought in D-Day, you moron. (laughs) So, in fact, of the 100 million killed by communism last century, a large percentage of them were Caucasian. Yep, men. Men. Um, Okay, so, um, honor mother and father. Okay, thou shalt not murder. So they have... Can we all be behind that, or is there a deviation here on the social justice front, Carrie? Can we what? Can we all be behind that one, or is there disagreement with the social? No, media? there's disagreement. I, I here's what here's my argument about it. <sighs> SJW. Well, there's two different things. One is kind of a technical abortion related thing. So mm. Christians, typically, not all Christians, view abortion as murder. Now, whether or not you view it as something that should be legal or not, I think. I think it you're it's pretty clear you're killing a human fetus, which depending on at what point in the pregnancy, I mean, if it's like late term abortion, it's like there's not a lot to do. If the baby can survive outside of the womb and you're still making the choice to abort, it's like 
I mean, you, you may think that should be legal. And my, my opinions on it, we've done some very. We have uh, some nuanced opinions about it. Yes. Okay. Carter and I have done episodes on this before. Yes. We have nuanced opinions. Um, whether or not you think it should be legal. And I do think it should be legal. I'm just, I'm still iffy about what I think on when it should stop being legal at what point during the, the pregnancy. But um, even if you think it should be legal, it's killing. Right. And so SJWs though are so, they don't, there's no nuance. There's no nuance on this issue for them. Um, which is funny because they tend to try and paint Christians as having no nuance on it as just being like, you know, it's murder and it should be illegal. But I, a, a lot of people I know are somewhere in this great, like this wide expanse between these two rigid ideas. If you actually um, sit down with someone and have a real conversation, I think most people, like you said, they end up in this like, well, actually there is a gray area and let's talk about it. Um, right. Yeah. Right. But so, but the SJWs are very rigid. There's no nuance. They are basically like, you know, if, if you do not agree that, that uh, not only, not only by the way, that it should be legal up until like late term abortion and everything should be legal. Not only that, they want you to say that it's, you don't personally think it's, they, they, they crap all over your personal views. If you personally say, Hey, personally, I think it's killing and I think it's murder, but I do think it should be legal. They will still crap all over your views and kind of poo you for, for even having any empathy for the, because they view any um, empathy for uh, the unborn baby as, as uh, detrimental and correctly so because arguments are one with emotion, right? They view it as something harmful or, or dangerous for their, um, you know, abortion on demand beliefs. And, and they will call you a misogynist. That's the other thing. If you have a nuanced view that's different from theirs, you're, you're, you hate women. You hate women, you're a misogynist. Yeah, a misogynist is anyone who suggests that all women shouldn't be hedonistic all the time and get whatever they want with no consequences. That's a misogynist. Right. There's, hey, there might be some consequences. Should we talk about, shut up, misogynist. Right. right. Like, you know. Women uh, shouldn't have any personal responsibility whatsoever. That's what they believe. And if you disagree with that, well, then you're a misogynist or you're a self-hating misogynist or you're a self-hating woman or whatever. So I think these are, well, on the abortion issue, I think these things are at odds. SJW ideology and because yeah, well, they, they won't even have a conversation if someone says I think it's murder they won't even have a real conversation about like no okay well murder is a serious thing let's talk about why that is and like let's let's have a conversation about it it's just oh you think it's murder screw you yeah and they'll call you dumb and all this stuff you know but but I mean I've seen them do that to people who are pro-life and yeah it's funny because I usually end up now and end up defending the pro-life person although we may disagree on again, nuanced things, but more often than not, it's, it's the person on the, who's like, who's completely pro-choice, who's the more rigid and intolerant person who can't even hear that opposing view, but how don't speak it to me. You know, you're anti-woman if you speak it to me. So, you know, so you're just making me think of something, Carrie. What? Social justice ideology has an advantage over Christianity in, in, in one respect, which is, uh, although the rules change, it's very clear at any given time what they are. <laughs> like, this is what you're supposed to say, and this is what you're supposed to do. There's no nuance. It's black and white. You do this, you're good. The end. 
Whereas like theologians have been debating for centuries about like how to interpret different scriptures and like there's disagreements on things. There's actually different denominations of Christianity. There's not different denominations of social. <laughs> like it's like you're, you're for us or against us. The end. It's like they issue new memos. It's like, it's all Latinx now, guys. Latinx. Right, we're not yeah. using Latino. We're using Latinx. And they're all like, Latinx. You say Latino. Huh? Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the new thing is, they all get the marching orders and then boom, that's yep. the thing we're doing now, right? Yes. Right. No discussion. You can't <laughs> no be discussion. like, well, I went to a different uh, seminary. And I'm like, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Remember, it's like when they were like, hey, spirit animal is offensive. You can't say spirit animal anymore. Like, oh, okay, got it. We're on the same page. Right. right. Yes. March forward. <laughs> like, are we, can, we have, can we have discussion about spirit animal? No. <laughs> no. So, okay. So, but the other thing about murder, I know this is episode, I don't want it to go, ah, it's going long. This episode's super long, but it's kind of interesting. I think <laughs> we're going to walk through the entire Ten Commandments, you know, which is pretty funny. So let's keep going. Okay. But, okay. But one more thing about murder. If you, yeah, if, one more thing about murder. <laughs> if you take, okay, we've talked about the abortion thing, but take that out of it. If you extrapolate this ideology to its logical conclusions, we've already seen what happens. We, we have the benefit of looking back at, at history and saying, hey, this ideology has been around for a long time. Yeah, this is a new iteration of it. This is a new evolution of it. Instead of being about... The, the bourgeois versus the, the working class versus the poor. Like instead of being about class, it's about power and identity groups. Right. But it's the same friggin' ideology and it's all based on resentfulness and it's all based on it. That leads to murderous rage. We have a blueprint for that. Yes. That's where this ends up. They want, they want the government and they want the state. They want authoritarians. They are authoritarians. They want the state to enact their will, will, and to forcibly redistribute power, they would be absolutely happy. And I don't, I know some of our viewers found this shocking and we talked about it in comments on, on Instagram, but they would be more than happy. The bad actors in the movie, the leaders in this ideology, throwing you, removing you from society, putting you in a work camp. Oh, absolutely. Ex executing you. Yes. Because, because they've dehumanized you already to them. You're, you're an insect. You know what they call Ben Shapiro? Oh. An insect. An insect. That's what they call Nazis. I mean, not Nazis. That's what Nazis call Jewish people. Right. They, are, they call I'll you. Ben Shapiro, Jewish. Just point that yeah, out. Yeah, Jewish. <laughs> they, they do this thing where they dehumanize you because um, it, that makes it easier for them to feel okay physically attacking you. We've talked about this. This is all um, um, Grady. Like it, what, what's the word? It's like gradual. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's a, it's a gradual descent into utter thuggery right because yeah. you know so not only so carrie you make an awesome point like you can there's plenty of examples throughout history of where this is going to go we know where the ideology leads but you don't even have to be that imaginative many of them will say it outright we've heard in speeches we've heard in in debates people say white people should die you should die because you're white we've heard we've heard people say white people shouldn't have babies um, Michael uh, Moreno, the debate club uh, student uh, that we've talked about previously, he played uh, an audio version of his experience in a classroom at a university where the, the opposing, or I guess the people presenting their argument were, were arguing in serious, now I think this is ridiculous, but they were arguing this seriously 
white people should be rounded up and sent on one-way trips to space because white people are horrible. Now that's death, right? I mean, no one in the room talked like it was death. They acted like they'll find another planet and brutally colonize it because that's what white people do. But <laughs> they, they did talk explicitly about rounding white people up and sending them on one-way trips to space so that people of color could, could have the earth. Now, I know that sounds fantastical and it's hard to believe that people think that, but they do. If you listen to them and you listen to their, the leaders, they will admit openly how hostile they are to people who are, uh, who they view as wrong thinkers or the wrong color of their skin. So yeah, you don't have to even be, you don't even have to look at history and say, Hey, this is a repeat of what we've seen in the past. And that leads to death. You can say like, they're, they're talking about death. Antifa Antifa's attacks. I mean, I'm surprised no one's died yet. When you start hitting people over the head with bike locks and and setting things on fire and and uh, beating people, at some point there will be a death by Antifa. There's already been a death by the radical right um, for you know in uh, North Carolina, but you know there will be there will be a death by the radical left as well. Um, we're just lucky that they haven't done that yet. They see. We've talked about before how um, it's not my observation. It was the observation of of the person who wrote uh, the review of the Days of Rage that we've talked about that article. Mm, Yes, and the the how authoritarianism or radicalism on the right and the left have a lot in, in common, but they also differ in some very important ways. And on the right, you see more of the um, lone wolf kind of thing happening on the left you see the mob thing happening the groups and so i think when violence starts on the left it's going to be mass violence it's not going to be a lone wolf with a gun it's going to be more i I, that's just i don't know i could be totally wrong but i think well the violence that has happened on the left already is mass mob type violence yeah and they're all part of a mob they're again they're collectivists what are they doing they're wearing masks so you can't tell them apart from one another they're just, it's a group attacking you. Um, okay, next, next one. Okay, but real quick. Oh. Again, about the murder thing. So we mentioned Samuel Say, and if you guys are new to the channel and you haven't watched it, I know some people have started watching our archives. Real, go back and watch the deprogrammed episode with Samuel Say. This is the beginning of an article he wrote called Social Justice is a Threat to Human Rights and the Gospel. He says, in 1920, a young activist organized a public meeting in a major city Inside a hall holding hundreds of poor, underprivileged people, he delivered a speech describing how his ethnic people were oppressed and burdened, exploited and betrayed, excluded and bullied by a more privileged group. He explained the oppressors had infiltrated nations and become parasites for centuries. His point was that the oppressors destroyed nations because they were greedy and bloodthirsty for privilege. He made the claim that his people were forced into food shortages while the oppressors lived in excess. Then he said, quote, we do not believe that there could ever exist a state with lasting inner health if it is not built on internal social justice. And so we have joined forces with this knowledge. We realize that if this movement does not penetrate into the masses to organize them, then everything will be in vain. Then we will never be able to liberate our people and we will never be able to think of rebuilding our country, end quote. That social justice movement penetrated to the masses. The activist organized a powerful, promising group of politicians. He formed a group to liberate his people and rebuild his country. 
And five years later in 1925, he wrote a book called Mein Kampf. The activist's name was Adolf Hitler. I read that and I know, and Carter, thank you for letting me read that because I read it in that interview we did with him. But that just gave, gives me chills because that's like all the language that they're using now, it's not new. It's like this, we, this has happened over and over in history. Just switch out the groups, okay? It doesn't matter. Put, in, put this group here this time. Put a different group there in, it, at that point in history or at that point. It doesn't matter. They are so unimaginative that they, um, so unimaginative that they, they, they can't uh, foresee, like what could possibly go wrong with saying, with, with completely demonizing a group, whether it's by sex or race or sexuality oh, they or whatever. They don't, they're not unimaginative. They don't care. They, I don't know. Well, the architects of the ideology know and they don't care, but the, the, the masses who fall in with this stuff and the, the good into the well-intentioned ones, it's like, just sit for a second and extrapolate. Where does this go? Where does your belief system go? Listen to the words they're using. <sighs> listen, like, listen to what they say. Yeah. The conspiracy theorist in me, Carrie, thinks that uh, they intentionally mocked uh, comparisons to Hitler and invented Godwin's law so that you, they could say, oh, you know, you brought up Hitler, so the conversation's over. You're not allowed to do that on the internet. The, the conspiracy theorist in me thinks that they <laughs> they did that because they knew pretty soon they would be sounding a hell of a lot like Hitler. Like Hitler. So they basically yeah. not allowed to compare them. Yeah. Okay, we got let's speed through <laughs> the last commandments. Okay. Wait, how many? <laughs> we're only on five, right? What are we on? I don't know. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay. Um, yeah, again, this is just, again, with the, the standards being lax, relaxed, you know, as SJW ideology moves in, these things become less important. Um, they, I don't, I don't know any SJW, whether it's, I mean, I guess we could ask Gracie what Christian SJWs believe, but SJWs don't care about sexual immorality. They don't care about what the Bible says about what you should and shouldn't do with your body. I mean, they, they you know... They have bumper stickers that say, your body is a temple, my body is a playground. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, this is one again where I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not as prudish <laughs> as uh, maybe the fundamentalist Christians, but um, one of the, when I think of adultery, I also think of um, betrayal because uh, lying. Adultery is like the, the devastating thing about the most devastating thing about adultery, I think, is not actually the physical act, but it's the deception because you've you're with someone you've you've made a commitment to be their life partner. And um, the uh, the betrayal of that, the deception and betrayal of that really undermines um, undermines a relationship. And, you know, I do think that in modern times, it's worth you know, we do have a different relationship between men and women that's more healthy now than like, obviously, than property ownership, basically, which is what um, existed for a while. And so I, and, and we do have a different relationship with our sexuality. And, and I, but I think that's worth, you know, when I look at this from a secular perspective, I think I look at that commandment, and I think, okay, well, first of all, it's betrayal is, is a, a very important part of that, right? Second of all, you can say your body's a playground and that's fine. I support your right for your body to be a playground. You do what you want with your body. However, it's also important to have serious conversations about what consequences are for 
using your body as a playground, both within relationships and within uh, the context of, of raising children or, you know, like there are, there are consequences. The whole, you know, Murphy Brown, I'm going to be a single mom because I don't need no man thing. Uh, that's not good for raising children. Um, and I'm not saying that everyone actually has to be in a monogamous, you know, marriage from you know high school through death. But uh, I do think I do think that the the radical left is very quick to dismiss any negative consequences of whatever they feel like doing all the time. And so there are negative consequences. Uh, there are pluses and minuses to everything. And knowing what those consequences are uh, is important. You know, I, I don't know if everyone knows this. I don't want to TMI, but I, I'm divorced and, uh, and I have a child who with, uh, with the woman that I'm divorced from. And, you know, one thing that in the secular world never told me was, you know, when I talked to a lot of people about getting divorced at the time, everyone dismissed the impact on my ability to parent the impact on my child. They were like, Oh, well, if you're happier, you know, your kid will be better off. Don't worry about it. Like do what's best for you. Blah, blah, blah. It was just, there was no, you know, and I'm happily remarried and I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I love my wife and I'm glad that I'm, I'm remarried. But you know, at the time there was no one saying, Hey, uh, or maybe very few people saying anything real about there's, you know, there's real consequences here. There's real consequences to, uh, breaking up the family and having, you know, estranged parents try and co-parent a child and it impacts the child. And it wasn't a, like, it's not a good move for the child and it's not something to be taken lightly. Um, so to me, the thou shall not commit adultery can really just be taken as a, as a sanity check of like, Hey, really think about the consequences to all this stuff. Because by the way, we did evolve ways to raise children pretty well. We did evolve ways where like, this is what works for raising children. This is what works for having a, um, a stable environment for 20 years while you're raising a child. And you can throw that out, but recognize there are consequences to it. That's all. Yeah. I think, um, I think this one could also just be like you correctly pointed out, it's, it's a commandment about sexual immorality, but it's also a commandment about lying. Yes. And the next few are about lying. And I think there's a reason why that's in there so much. And, um, you know, the next one is, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Yep. Right? Um, I, I, th- this, this one, I think, it, I, th- I think the lying thing is very important. I think it's very important. And I think um, we are encouraged in society, in in secular society anyway, to not view um, lies as all that important, depending on what kind of lie. Like we have all these different, you know, well, that's a small lie and it's for this person's good. And, you know, (laughs) but but I, I truly believe the more you do that, the easier lying becomes for you until you are lying about big things and then you have no grounding in truth anymore. And, and, and so SJW ideology for me is absolutely in opposition to these commandments about adultery 
and about bearing false witness because it is all about lying. The, the ideology itself is a lie. What it tells you it is about is a lie. It is about the opposite of what it claims to be, of what it purports to be. Everything about it is untruthful. Um, and, and you can see, if you guys haven't seen, there's a, there's a video, um, I mean, there's a lot of different examples of this online, but one of the ones I think that illustrates it the best is, um, it was a video when Jordan Peterson was speaking outside at a college and there were protesters there trying to drown him out. SJWs had sound machines and stuff, so he couldn't speak mm -hmm. and they were yelling stuff at him and there, there were, um, a lot of his students came out to defend and support him, which by the way, again, they always ignore any quote, quote, marginalized person who doesn't agree with them. Most of his students were people of color and women and they were standing there behind, there's a great photo of them behind him. Like what was it? Jordan Peterson has a posse and they're all like, no, you know, like they, they were there to defend him, but he was, he was speaking. And at, at some point during this, there was a rebel news reporter there. I think it was rebel news. And uh, there was a shoving match and this SJW shoved the reporter and it was caught on camera. And then there was this SJW, this gender fluid SJW and a yellow hat. And she, over time, what did they name her? A uh, snuggly puff? No. Uh, That's not triggly puff. She's a different one. No, triggly puff was a different one. They, they named this one smuggly puff or something oh, like that. Oh, okay. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So, so on camera, we should link this so people can see it. It's so gross to watch it. You can see this deceitfulness in a human. I'm fascinated by stuff like this. Again, I like watching police interrogation video. I like, I'm fascinated by a human possessed by something evil. And I think being possessed by a lie or something being animated by a lie, you, there are people, you can get so far gone. This girl in this video is so far gone that the, the, in the, in the video, they bring over the campus police or the police or someone and they're saying, like, hey, this guy shoved me and he attacked me. And she looks right at the, she goes to the officer. She's like, I didn't see anything, sir. And then she looks at the camera like, like this is like this evil little look of like, hot, like, I know I'm lying. I know I'm lying. She's, her face says to the camera, I know I'm lying and you know I'm lying and you can't do anything about it. It's like, she's so far gone in her messed up ideology that she thinks that evilness that you're witnessing is righteous. Yeah, nothing happened. I didn't see anything. Nothing happened. I didn't see anything. She thinks that's righteous to lie and to say that this person didn't push someone and didn't shove them. And, and she's so smug about it and self-satisfied in her untruthfulness. That's a person so far gone. It, it, I, it, I get, I almost get emotional about it because it's like, you're witnessing, I don't, I don't think you can make too light of it. You're witnessing evil on her face at that moment. Oh yeah. I mean, I like, I like the metaphor of like demon possession. It literally looks like she's like been taken over and there's like, this is how a, a demon would behave, yes. right? It, yes. it looks like that. Um, and this is, look, uh, maybe this will resonate with Christians who are experiencing social justice infiltration in their church, but uh, for the social justice people, the end justifies the means. That's, uh, there is no, you know, they're following Sololinsky's playbook. There is no, um, there's no judgment for anything that you say 
to be true or not so long as it has the intended effect uh, that they're looking for. So there is no, there is though no thou shalt not lie in social justice. Um, and they even invent things to make lying uh, less obvious. So they invent terms like lived experience, right? Well, my lived experience is blah, 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 blah. Well, okay, like that may be, but that doesn't hold, that doesn't hold uh, weight in, a, in the discussion. Like if you, if they, literally, if they say my lived experience is that math is racist, it's like, okay, well, math isn't racist. Um, that, that statement you just made has no basis in fact or reality, but they're allowed to make it and they're encouraged to make it. So they, they've invented an entire uh, vocabulary for undermine, undermining any kind of rational epistemology and just saying like, we can say whatever we want, we can make claims, we can make metaphysical claims about anything we want. And as long as it's in service to the idol of social justice, it is justified and it is moral and it is righteous even. Yeah, that's absolutely, it is. There, this again, this is about ideology being more important to them than principles. The ends justify the means to them. Yeah. And they can get so lost in their, what they believe are their just ends that they become monstrous people. Like, so I, I, I think these, I don't know, I think these are really important. And, and you're right, they, everything they, everything they, they want us to speak, that's the other thing, they want to force people to speak lies. This is an ideology built on untruth, and they are trying to force compelled speech in law. They want you to have to pretend, it's not enough, it's not enough for you to say, look, I'm happy to call um, a trans woman she and her if, if it's someone who I believe is asking for good reasons and then context and they, you know, for what I'm happy to do that, but I'm not going to pretend like they're a biological female. And I don't think they should be competing in sports events against biological women. Right. They want to force you to lie and pretend like a trans, a trans woman that a biological man, they want you to pretend like a biological man is a biological woman. It's not enough for you to use the pronouns. They, they want you to speak lies. Yes. And and they want to force you to speak lies in the law to make it punishable. Like they, anyway. Why is it necessary for them to forward their cause? Because the truth is uh, disastrous for them. Yeah. They're, because as you said at the beginning, their ideology is based on lies. Uh, it's all built on shifting sands. It's all lies. So, okay, so these last three. Wait, wait, wait. Before we, I have one okay. more thing. I okay, know. okay. But I let you go, wait, 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 with murder. So I'm going to wait. Yeah, wait, yeah. <laughs> When I ceased to become a Christian, lying was one of those things that um, I needed to figure out. I felt like it was wrong, but I needed to figure out why it was wrong. <laughs> it bothered me. And, um, and people would bring up some counterexamples, like, well, what in this case and what in that case? And just I'll throw this formulation out for, for people because this is how I think of a lie. Um, a lie is the, the attempt to gain a value through deceit. And so... The example that I think it was Leonard Peikoff or someone gave was like, if an axe murderer comes to your door and says, I want to kill the children, where are they? You're not obligated to say, down the hall, second door on the left, right? You don't have to, like, you're not obligated because he's not, you're not attempting to gain a value through deceit. You're just defending yourself against an axe murderer. Lies are when you attempt to gain a value through deceit. Um, and that has really helped me. And, and, and it's also helped to understand that lies are, um, lies are not only 
harmful to the people you're lying to because you're, you're fake, you're lying to your, your, um, presenting a false reality to them, which can have pretty significant consequences to their behavior. It's also bad for you. Um, lying, and I think a lot of Christians kind of know this, but lying intuitively catches up with you because you now have to have, every time you lie, your brain needs to take a little branch and be like, okay, well, this is the real thing. And this is what I said the real thing. Well, now I have two models of the world I have to maintain. And then like, and then there's some challenge that ha- happens and another branch has to happen. And now, okay, now I've got three models, four models, eight models, 16 models. I've got all these different, like eventually things completely fall apart. It's, it's actually really destructive to your own psychology um, to, uh, to lie. It's not good for your own mental health. Uh, so that's not the only reason. It's also just immoral because you're, like I said, you're faking reality for other people, which is, um, uh, which is really a way to steal from them. So we're yeah. about to get to the next commandment. So no, uh, but you're you're right. Uh, and just to expound on that, I mean, Jordan Peterson is. I mean, clearly, I've referenced him a lot. He's been really instrumental in helping me to understand a lot of things and helping me to understand a lot about my old belief system and just and also just to understand um, better ways of living. I mean, I joke that Jordan Peterson is a gateway drug to Christianity because he he's a bridge for a lot of people like after, after Jordan Peterson, you'll start like moving on to the hardcore stuff like Tim Keller, you know, like you're like getting into the Christian stuff, but um, not everyone does that. But um, anyway, one of the things I remember him talking about was lying and about, um, about adultery um, uh, about lot. I mean, just any type of lying really is, but, but adultery, he was talking about specifically because it's like, the, it's it's a lie and it's it's a lie to an intimate lie with the person that you're su- supposed to be the most honest with right and he was talking about how it changes the fabric of reality so he used to counsel couples and stuff and he's like like you're saying you've taken these branches now and not only in your brain have you deviated but like this person that you're supposed to be aligned with when you start lying to them and maybe you start with little things or whatever, and then it becomes easier to lie. But now you're like, you're, if you're keeping things from that person, no matter what those things are, it's like, you're now living in a different reality and you're deciding what they get this fake version of reality. That's what they get to know about. Not like what, where you're really at in your, in your relationship or what's really going on with you or anything. It's like, no, you get this fake version of things. If you love someone, you you give them the full truth of reality as much as you can, right? You don't you don't set up, uh, you know you don't you don't tra- you don't get someone you love involved in the Ponzi scheme you're running, right? That's, yeah. how, that's, <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that, of course I, it undermines your relationship. Yeah, <laughs> it's like anyway. I think those are very important. And so then the last three, I think these. So those two, I think, are really important. I think they're both about lying. Yep. And the last three um, are all about resentfulness and envy. And I think that they're really important. There's, they're in here three times. There's three of them. There's only uh, one don't murder, but there's three of these. Yeah, <laughs> there's three of these. It's not like thou shalt. Yeah, this is, so this is thou shalt not cover, covet um, thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's slaves, animals, or anything else. 
Right. I thou shalt not covet. <laughs> like billion dollars. Yes, resentfulness. And so I know again a Peterson thing, a thing I learned from Peterson, and I mentioned it in a previous, uh, pretty recently in an episode. So I'm not going to go through the whole thing again. But you guys can look it up. There's a video he did uh, called uh, "Tragedy Versus Evil." which is all about looking at the Cain and Abel story as an allegory. So even if you're an atheist like Carter or you're not, you're not Christian, you can look at that story as an allegory about two modes of being in the world. One mode of being is about gratefulness and sacrifice and hard work. And the other mode of being is about resentfulness yep. and lack of sacrifice and lack of responsibility and, and entitlement and arrogance. And so this resentfulness thing, that's, it's, it is the seed of SJ, it's the it's the seed from which this whole ideology has grown. It's it's the seed of all of SJWism. I, I actually think that resentfulness, Carrie, and I'm glad that it's three of the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a reason why it's so many. Just like at the beginning, there were so many that were like, "This is very important," right? <laughs> this, like, this there's three of these, and there's three of these because this is I think this is something really important to understand. People are not identical. They have different strengths and different weaknesses. And if you leave people alone and let them be free, there will be disparity in outcomes. Some people will have other things. Also, there's luck in life. There will be differences between you and your neighbor. There will always be difference, unless you're both dead in the pit in the killing fields of Cambodia. You're you're going to have differences, which means um, if you structure your... Again, this we can maybe pull in Jonathan Haidt here with the rider in the elephant. If you have a lot of resentment and envy, you, then your elephant is like constantly pulling you in this direction away from actual happiness, success, and harmony in society. You're constantly, you are constantly um, uh, at odds with everything and everyone around you because you're so you're because you're so eaten up by this thing. It affects everything you do. It affects decisions you make and it's a very powerful emotion and uh i think i think resentfulness and envy are not just with social justice i would say with every collectivist ideology they're the they're the key emotion they're the key emotion that marx uses they're the key emotion that hitler used they're the key emotion that every single authoritarian or collectivist ideology uses it's 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 resentment and envy that's what it is. That, is. that is your downfall. If you can get over resentment or envy, you could actually have other bad emotions and kind of be okay and manage them if you don't have resentment. You can kind of live in society if you're not resentful <laughs> and envious. Yes. But if you have that, that's when you start doing unjust things because that emotion allows you to justify stealing from other people, murdering from other people, uh, like forcing them to do and say things. It, it, it gets you to do anything you want. It, it's, it's, um, it's really a powerful, powerful emotion. And it's, I think it's probably one of the most deadly vices in humankind. I completely, Undermines completely Western civilization. I completely agree. And by the way, I just want to, somebody's probably already re- recognized this by now, but we totally skipped over thou shalt not steal. It was in between thou shalt not commit adultery and thou shalt not, huh? 
I thought we did steal. We skipped it. No, we, we skipped oh. it. It was in between thou shalt not commit adultery and thou shalt not bear false witness, which we kind of were like, these are both about lying. Oh. So we kind of skipped over stealing, but you mentioned it, it enables you to steal. Well, just like thou shalt not murder. There's it's only thou shalt murder is in there once. Thou shalt not steal is in there once. Thou shalt not be resentful in there three times. Like it, it, it is what leads to stealing. It is what leads to murder. Yes. It is it is the root of those things, and it and it is the root of this ideology, and that's the, this belief system is diametrically opposed to these three commandments here about not being resentful. It tells yes. you look at what your neighbor has, what power group, what identity groups are they in, what kind of power, what kind of power, and how can we steal it? How can we steal it? How can I have what they have? How can I get it's what. Whose fault is it that I don't have what my neighbor has? It's not my fault. Whose fault? It's my neighbor's fault. And well, it's but it's not even the constructive version of how can I get what? Because there is a construction way of like a constructive of like, oh, how do I get what Bill Gates had? Well, I guess I have to risk everything and and put in the, in the sacrifices. Heart, but like, yeah, it's not that. It's like, oh, he has that. The solution is to take it by force, which you know is taxes, right? But the solution is to like take it by force. Okay. Who can I get a group of people with guns to take that away and give it to me? That's what you're asking for. Yeah. And that's, it's like, yeah. Stealing is. Well, I mean, look at it on the, look at it in the social media mobs. It's like this knitter has this and they have that. And I don't like that this knitter on Instagram has this community that I don't have and they're selling yarns and people like them. And how can I get that? Well, you know what? I may not be able to get it, but I can tear them down, you know, like, and I can, it's like, that's what that is. It is yeah. resentment. Let me go after this. And that, it is all based on that. Let me go after this and let's tear this person down. And this, they get their pitchforks and they all come in and it's, it's all at the root of that, that little kernel of, of dark envy in their heart, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But certainly, certainly the social justice ideology is not compatible with thou shall not steal. That's for, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. To go back to that. Yeah, all based on stealing. It's all based on stealing. That's the whole, but that's it, the whole ideology. It's based on, well, stealing is one of the things, yeah, it's based on that, but, but, the, but it's based on, at its root, it springs from, it springs from resentment, I think. Oh, yeah, sorry. Their, their political strategy is stealing right. and, and killing. Those are, the, those are the two. Yeah. What is, Marx, like, what is Marxism like realized politically? Murder and theft. That's, that's what Marxism is. It's murder and theft. And where um, does it come from? Resentment. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, there are, I have heard social justice Christians make the argument that Jesus was a socialist. And, uh, I just want to point something out. And this is someone who, like, I don't agree with all of everything that Jesus said. I'm an atheist, but, uh, it's completely wrong to say that Jesus was a socialist. This, the evidence that they cite is that he was generous and encouraged generosity and altruism. That, though that's, the, that's the evidence that they cite for Jesus being a socialist. Socialism is not generosity. Socialism is not that. It's not being kind. Socialism is forcible theft from one group of people and distribution to other. Jesus did not say... Let's go seize the means of production from the Romans and distribute it by violent force. <laughs> that is not the message. Come, let us take guns and go. <laughs> right. right. 
he was encouraging individual charity. He was encouraging sacrifice. Choice, voluntary. Yes. Voluntary charity, not like the government by force is going to redistribute. Yes. They voluntary totally- charity, just to be clear, voluntary charity is the opposite of socialism. If you take my money and distribute it, I'm not being charitable. I don't get I don't get a pat on the back for my generosity and choices <laughs> like you took my money. I didn't I I I you robbed me of the opportunity to be charitable. I can't give it away anymore. You stole it at gunpoint. The only way I can actually be charitable is to by choice give things away, to by choice be generous. If you steal it all and redistribute it, no one can be charitable because no one has anything anymore. You can only be charitable by choice. So the idea that Jesus was a Marxist is another lie pushed to try and convince Christians that social justice is somehow compatible with uh, the Christian philosophy. Okay, I just had another brainstorm for a Uh sketch. We should do a series with SJW Jesus where (laughs) we have an actor dressed like Jesus and he just reads some of these SJW that they post where they're all morally righteous, but you have Jesus speaking it, which would be so, the cognitive dissonance, you'd be like, of course Jesus would never say that. (laughs) Like like have Moses come down from the mountain with the knapsack. Right, Um, (laughs) like here. Like here, this is uh, something that one of the knitters sent me. This is from Instagram. And um, one of the people on Instagram was pushing back against this blue checkmark SJW and said, you know, retreating into your echo chamber doesn't change the fact that you're the one turning simple questions or queries into pie fights. Like the way that you try to smear people who simply disagree with you is very far out of bounds. Um, tagging that young woman's university for expressing an opinion. So this SJW started trying to get this girl kicked out of college for not agreeing with her, right? And and that like Jesus wouldn't She'd do be that. Off not in college, but that's a separate issue. But still, she was like tagging this girl's university. She was trying to mob her and and right. hurt her the same way they try to they try to hurt people. And so this person is arguing. And so then the SJW says, "I would love to just have this like imagine Jesus like because they're so morally righteous and they think they're doing the right thing. Could you imagine Jesus saying, "Hey, eat a bag of dicks. <laughs> 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 Who invited you?" Sorry. (laughs) Who told you that my space was your space? (laughs) (laughs) That you're and it goes on and on. It's just full. It goes choke. Why don't you choke? (laughs) (laughs) By Cupertus. Like there's so can you imagine Jesus in one of these like unlearning toxic toxic whiteness seminars where he's like, you know, white women. You're going to sit in your <laughs> discomfort. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, I'm making, I'm cracking myself up. No, I think we could do a skit on that someday. Okay. <laughs> someday we will have the resources to do skits and produce them. Ow, my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> this was a super long coffee. I know, I know. You guys, thanks for whoever made it to the end. We should do like a Pee Wee's Playhouse, like a special word at the end. If you make it to the end, it's like, yeah, you get the word of the day or whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, guys. Thank you. Word of the day should be goodbye and thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. (laughs) It's a marathon. (laughs) Um, Thank you. Actually, seriously, thank you. We've got another anonymous um, contribution on Subscribestar. Um, We're getting more subscribers. So if you want to support us, if you want to see Carrie's 
uh, harebrained schemes of uh, <laughs> Jesus as a social justice warrior realized someday <laughs> into actual Please, please uh, support us on subscribe store, or if you can't, just like and share and um, subscribe on YouTube, and that uh, that'll go a long way. So, thank you, everyone. Carrie, can you remind people on book club because they don't have many days left? Oh yeah, we don't have many days left. You guys need to start speed reading. You can get a copy of the book. Go to unsafespace.com and click on our book club link, or you can go to Facebook and look for the Unsafe Space Book Club Facebook group. Um, you can get a link to the book. It's the Coddling of the American Mind uh, by Jonathan Haidt and Greg. Lukianov, and we're going to be discussing it on this coming Sunday at seven o'clock. Um, well, sorry, seven, seven o'clock Texas time, uh, five o'clock Pacific, eight o'clock Eastern. We'll do a live video chat. If you want to be a part of the video discussion, email us at speak at unsafespace.com. We'll give you a link to join the video discussion. And if you don't want to do that, if you just want to be in the chat commenting, you can do that because it'll be a live video. And just FYI, if you have emailed speak at unsafespace.com, you haven't gotten a link yet. Don't worry, you will. We haven't forgotten them. I haven't responded to everyone. That's okay. You'll get a link. Don't worry. So, all right, cool. Thanks, Carrie. And uh, I guess we'll see everyone tomorrow. Bye, guys. Bye, Carter. <laughs> Stop laughing about SGW. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> come, bring your guns. Let's go get those white people. <laughs>